Hello, and welcome to another episode of Living with Hospice. I'm your host, Mitch Ware. I'm a long-term hospice volunteer, as well as an experienced client of several hospices. I'm not a doctor, I'm not a nurse, I'm not a social worker or a therapist. But I have years of firsthand experience with several hospice organizations, and I'm a certified and vetted volunteer for several of them. Today, we're going to take a look at the difference between hospice in-home care and hospice inpatient care, and when the two can overlap, and really what the benefits of both are. And uh, stay tuned, because I think you might be surprised at what we're going to discover today. Uh, If you hear a noise in the background, uh, we've got the whole gang here. Uh, Cosmo Kramer, the silly, big... Irish Wolfhound slash Alaskan Husky is laying by my feet. And uh, Chloe, the female orange kitty, is in her condo looking over the top at me, watching me, which drives me nuts. And Charlie Bosscat, he's running around here somewhere trying to keep order of things. Every Medicare certified hospice provider must provide four levels of care. That's number one, routine home care. Number two, continuous home care. Number three, general inpatient care. And four, respite care. Let's take a look at those a little closer. Routine home care is the basic level of care under anybody's hospice benefits. If a patient resides in a nursing home, it can also be called routine nursing home care. And it includes things like, well, nursing services, uh, physician participation, social services, home health aides, counseling services, you know, for spiritual, pastoral, bereavement, dietary. It also includes um, the management of medications. It involves the uh, providing medical equipment, medical supplies, and lab and other diagnostic studies and tools related to a terminal diagnosis. If you have continuous home care, a nurse and or a, a home health care aide will remain in the patient's home environment for 8 to 24 hours a day. Continuous care is a short-term level of care reevaluated every 24 hours. So you may be asking, well, geez, how do you qualify for that or, or what constitutes the need for that continuous home care like that? Some of the symptoms requiring this would be things like unrelieved pain, severe nausea and vomiting, uh, severe shortness of breath, anxiety or panic attacks that just really aren't being controlled, or maybe perhaps a breakdown in the primary caregiver support system. And boy, there are a million war stories that we could that we could share with each other about that one. But let's not go there. <laughs> General inpatient care. Some patients have short-term symptoms so severe that they can't get adequate treatment at home. Or they may feel more comfortable getting treatment at an inpatient facility. Symptoms requiring inpatient care are the same as those requiring continuous care, only the setting of care is different. With inpatient care, nurses are available around the clock to administer 
medications and treatments and emotional support and all of that to make the patients uh, and the patient's family more comfortable. There are several types of facilities that offer inpatient hospice services. Um, There's a freestanding facility owned and operated by a hospice company. There's an inpatient hospice unit within an existing facility or institution like a hospital, for example, and a hospice unit in a skilled nursing facility, or what some folks call a nursing home or assisted living. The next level is what we call respite care. Respite care services are more for the family than the patient. If the patient doesn't meet the criteria to qualify them for continuous care in inpatient, but the family is having a difficult time, which is almost all the time in my experience, this is really a great option. If a patient's family is a primary source of care and can't meet their loved one's needs due to caregiver stress or just being worn out, or maybe there's some other extenuating circumstances, a patient can be temporarily admitted to an inpatient facility to give the family a much-needed break or respite. And quite frankly, that's what happened in our lives. And I'm going to share that story a little later on in this episode. We need to note here that there's a five-day limit on respite care. Once that period expires, the patient is discharged and returns back to their home or to their assisted living facility or whatever. Okay, so let's back up just a little bit. In order to qualify for hospice care, patient's doctor and often a hospice doctor as well must determine that the patient is terminally ill. That means a life expectancy of six months or less in order to qualify for hospice. The decision to treat someone at a higher level of care falls to the hospice physician. With four levels in place, no terminally ill patient should ever be left without the appropriate care. Hospice agencies most often provide services in the patient's home. In fact, hospice care can also be provided by freestanding or independent facilities specially designed to provide hospice care, or through programs based in hospitals, nursing homes, assisted living centers, or other health care systems. Some of these agencies offer both care in the home and care in an inpatient facility. In fact, quite a few do. I know there are several hospice organizations here in our community that offer both. In any hospice setting, the comfort care is designed to be available 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Your doctor, hospice social worker, case manager, or discharge planner can be helpful in deciding which type of hospice program is best for you and your family. Now, when someone enters into hospice care, they're asked to pick someone to be their primary caregiver. Usually, this is a family member or close friend. In our situation, it was always a family member. Actually, it was several family members that were involved in the care, but one of us was chosen as the primary caregiver. And the primary caregiver works with the hospice team as well as the patient to develop a care plan based on 
the patient's specific needs and preferences. Patients differ from patient to patient, and their preferences certainly differ. The primary caregiver continues to be the main person to help make decisions for the patient throughout the length of the hospice care. For patients receiving in-home hospice care, the primary caregiver not only provides most of the physical care for the patient, but also helps with keeping records. And, and records are kept on symptoms and medications and any other problems that might occur. The primary caregiver can share the physical care responsibilities with other family members or maybe even hired caregivers like visiting nurses. But the primary caregiver still takes the responsibility for communication with the hospice team and the scheduled caregivers in the home as needed, and vice versa. This works great because that way hospice is hearing from one person and not a whole family, and if hospice needs to get a hold of the family, they work through one person. For patients getting hospice care in a setting other than at home, the primary caregiver, who is a family member, is still considered to be part of the hospice care team. The primary caregiver attends meetings and helps plan the care for the patient. Not very often, but sometimes there's no family available to take on the primary caregiver role. The patient needs to, to share that with the hospice team member who first comes to talk to them about hospice services. They'll also need to talk to their insurance company. There may or may not be other care setting options available. Depending on your insurance coverage, depending on your network of friends, maybe at your church or whatever, the types of hospice programs that are available will be discussed with you by the hospice professionals. And together, as a team, you make a decision that works for you. You work together in planning, in forming a solution that will meet your needs. Okay, let's review a little bit. Most people get hospice care at home. People who live in places like residential facilities, certain types of assisted living, um, nursing homes, all can get hospice care there. Most of the patients that I see are in assisted living facilities, yet I do see some patients in their homes. If hospice care is needed for a person living in one of these assisted living facilities or nursing homes, it may be considered in-home care since the facility is the patient's home. Health insurance coverage can vary on this, so check with your insurance provider and ask questions. Don't be afraid to ask questions. That's why they're there. It's important to know that home hospice care may require that someone be home with the patient 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Now, this may be a problem for people who live alone or whose partner or adult children have full-time jobs and can't be there. But in most cases, creative scheduling and good teamwork among friends and loved ones can overcome this problem. I have yet to see it not overcome. Members of the hospice staff will visit regularly to check on the patient. They also check in with the family and the caregivers. They will make sure that any symptoms are under control 
and give any needed care and services. Care begins when the patient is admitted to the hospice program. That generally means that a hospice team member visits you at home to learn about you and your needs. If you're in assisted living, they come there and visit with you. Sometimes they'll visit you in a hospital if you've decided to receive hospice care while there. Or maybe you've decided to, to transition from curative care in the hospital to hospice care or palliative care at home or in assisted living. And the hospice team will meet you there. If this is a concern for you, rest assured that most hospices can find a volunteer to help you if there is no one else available. To handle around-the-clock needs or crisis, home hospice programs have an on-call nurse who answers phone calls day and night every single day of the year. They also make home visits and they send out team members as appropriate uh, who you may need between scheduled regular visits. And if you're wondering, Medicare certified hospices, which almost all of them are, all of them are to my knowledge, but that doesn't mean they all are, I guess. There could be some that aren't. Uh, but Medicare certified hospices have to provide nursing, pharmacy, and doctor services around the clock every day of the week. Now, let's take a look at inpatient hospices for just a minute um, and what we refer to as freestanding or independent hospices. Many communities have inpatient hospice facilities. These may be operated by a hospice agency that also offers in-home care, or they can be just freestanding, independently owned hospices that may or may not also offer in-home services. The freestanding hospice can be helpful to patients who don't have caregivers available to them at home or need around-the-clock physical care. Hospital-based hospices often have a special program within the hospital itself. This gives patients and their families easy access to support services and allows the patient to get around-the-clock care and to help get control of oh, symptoms and issues that pop up. Some hospitals have a special hospice unit, while others use the hospice team that visits patients with advanced disease or whatever in pretty much any nursing unit. In other hospitals, the staff on the patient's unit and are certified as the hospital's hospice team. The patient returns to in-home hospice care when they're, again, comfortable. Nursing home or long-term care facility-based hospices are very common. Many nursing homes and other long-term facilities have small hospice units. They might have specially trained nursing staff to care for the hospice patients, or they might make arrangements with home health care agencies or independent community-based hospices to provide that care. 
This can be a, a really good option for people who need hospice care but don't have someone to take care of them at home. Now let's look at hospice inpatient care. Sometimes severe pain and other symptoms just require an advanced level of care that is more effectively provided during an inpatient hospice facility. There, the patient receives 24-7 palliative care by the medical staff and the volunteers in that facility. Most inpatient facilities are at full capacity, and there's a waiting list in order to get started for those who wish or need to transition to inpatient care. If that's the case in your situation, don't take it personal. It's just that there's a lot more people needing inpatient care than there are inpatient facilities to handle the need. And there is another option, a compromise of sorts, short-term respite care. Respite care serves as, well, more of a thing for the family than for the patient. If the patient doesn't meet the criteria to qualify them for continuous care in an inpatient facility, and quite frankly, the family's having a very difficult time. If a patient's family is a primary source of care and can't meet their loved one's needs due to caregiver stress or any other extenuating circumstances, a patient may temporarily be admitted to an inpatient environment to give the family a much-needed break or respite. Now, to be clear, there's a five-day limit on respite care. But wow, those five days are just golden. And once that period expires, the patient is discharged and returns back to home. As you know, our son Matt wanted to stay in his own home and battle cancer and, well, it was taking its toll on his body. After several years of curative care, he made the decision to turn to hospice home care. My wife and I were his caregivers, and I was the designated primary caregiver. I left my job to be with him during the days, and he had a roommate that was with him at night. During one of her visits, the nurse shared with us that we looked wiped out. Boy, was she right. She then went on to share with us about this thing called hospice respite care. She told Matt that if he came over to the inpatient care facility, he would be totally pampered and that his parents could once again be, well, parents and not caregivers. Parents could get some much-needed rest knowing that, well, he would be in terrific hands. And golly, she was right. I remember my wife and I both slept through the night like babies. That's the first time in a very, very long time we got a full night's rest. And same for Matt. You know, we'd, we'd put on a good face for him. And he did for us too. We all stayed diligent, you know, for the fight. This time out was just what we all needed. If you're in a hospice care situation, ask your nurse or social worker about their particular hospice inpatient respite visit. Trust me, you'll be glad you did. Thank you for tuning in to us today. 
It's always an honor to share time with you and discuss this difficult subject. If you have questions or comments, or maybe you have some interesting stories you'd like to share with us, please send them to our email address at livingwithhospice at gmail.com. That's livingwithhospice, all one word, at gmail.com. And who knows, we may cover your question or your comment or maybe even share your story if you'd like in one of the upcoming episodes. For Living With Hospice, this is Mitch Ware and the whole gang. Have a blessed day.